Welcome you into another edition of Meet Me at Mutual. I'm your host, Daniel Shoptoff, C70. It's Matt at C70 on the Twitters. With me as always, Ellen Medlock from Red Dirt Redbird at A Medlock1 on Twitter. The Cardinals are off today. We're recording this Thursday night, uh, right before the first Cubs series of the year. Um, Cardinals just finished sweeping the Pirates after being swept by the Padres. And Ellen, let's just just jump back to that because the Padres series happened after the first thing that happened after we recorded last time. Um, and you and I were talking a little bit before we got recording here. Um, they get swept by the Padres and it's not necessarily good, but it's not as bad as it could have been. No, 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 no. And I, I expected the worst, kind of like we talked about the last week of these West Coast trips. I just always feel like they're tough. I thought this one was going to be more difficult because they haven't done it since the playoffs last year. And the playoffs is just such a different animal. But they haven't made that trip after Milwaukee and head out there to play and to play the late night games and played their first Sunday night game. And, you know, one of those things, it's just it feels like that, uh, you know, that odd feeling of the first two weeks of the season where nothing seems regular. That's kind of how I feel about uh, going out on the West Coast. And even when they, with them being shorthanded, I didn't have the best feeling of, of the series. I was really hoping that they would come back with a, with that 500 road trip, which I think in that situation was, would be successful. Didn't necessarily expect this week, but didn't think I'd, they would win this series either. And of course, like we talked about, the fashion, get, that is worrisome, just with all the walks and the inconsistency and, and stuff like that. But uh, it seemed to slightly work itself out, getting back on the uh, Bush Mound, but, uh, but we'll see. But uh, overall, it was not the uh, – most ideal situation. I kind of felt like Sunday, the Sunday night game after they lost the lead that they uh, had kind of mailed it in a little bit, which not, I wouldn't say expected, but you shouldn't be surprised in those situations. Those, I can't remember. I'm sure they have had situations like this before, but it's a little bit rare. I think for them to go, you know, out to the West coast and then, you know, for three games and turn around and come back, you know, yeah. it's, it not, I, not hit like at least Arizona and, it, and the, or somebody else out that way. Yeah. You took the words out of my mouth. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, most of the time these West coast trips are usually kind of sandwiched with an Arizona or Colorado. Yeah. But yeah. now that, you know, you go out there and uh, you know, the three, then the comeback and, you know, turn around and do it again right around Memorial Day is, is, is a little, a little odd. It's, yeah. it's the Fourth of July, not Memorial Day. The Fourth yeah, of July. So, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Next week they do have that trip where they go to they go to White Sox, but then they go to Arizona and then they go to yeah. L.A. Um, and then yeah, they're out there in Colorado for the Fourth of July. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't. And that's that's always. I mean, yeah, you've got 
they didn't have a day, they didn't even have the day off. Uh, they had the afternoon game and then a late night Friday. But you know, you kind of you know, your first game of those trips is probably a little bit of getting your feet under you. Um, and by that time, you know, if you lose that one, when you only have a three game set, you can't really settle in too much. But you know, that's a little bit of and it, you're right. They hadn't they didn't travel out there except for last year at the playoffs. They didn't travel out there at all last year during the season, and it, it'd been a bit. But um, you know that that said. 12 walks and three hit batters in that first yeah. game. It's just, I mean, to, to lose that game by one run is remarkable. And, it, and that's one thing the Cardinals have done this year, right? I mean, that game against the Mets where they walked, what, 14 or whatever it was, or at least 11 or 12, I guess the Mets left 17 on. Um, and they still came with, they had the, the tying run at the plate with uh, in the ninth inning. They only lost, they lost by three, but they had a shot at it the Cardinals are fairly good for the fact that they're high in walks. They're not so high in, in hits allowed. And so they seem to be fairly good at stranding runners. I don't think that's a skill. I don't think that that's something that's <laughs> probably, you know, work itself out. But for right now, you know, you, you take what you can get, I guess. Sure. Sure. That's, and I think that some of that, probably comes from that circle of trust that we talked about to where when things get really tight, he's going to go with one of the four names that, you know, your Helsley's, your Cabrera, your Gallegos or Reyes, yeah. you know what I mean? In those type of situations to get out of, out of jams a little bit. Uh, but yeah, you're right to play as bad as they have in some of the situations and to walk away in the situation that they are with the lead in the, in the division and, for things where you feel like you probably could be buried a little bit, it's pretty impressive as a team. I think that the, I think that they're pretty good. You know, it's uh, some of the I've talked to a couple of buddies of mine who are friends of other teams that are that are pretty worried about the prospect of where the Cardinals can be by where it's all said and done. And a lot of them are talking about how electric the bullpen is. I said, well, yeah, you run into that, but then you have a, the high walk rate and you have the four hour games. Which, by the way, I noticed you tweeted something the other day about uh, one of the games in the Pirate Series being so bad. Mm-hmm. I'm not so certain I've ever seen a game as bad as the Friday night game in San Diego. Well, I need to watch that one. So that's oh, great. boy. I, mean, I, watched the, I watched the first little bit of it that I talked it's about, pro- I think. Well, it's probably the old man misery, too, with the nine, with the 9.05 start and you're looking at 1 yeah. o'clock in the morning. I was like, this is awful. You know what I mean? I hate to say it, but uh, oh, you're right. Um, it's uh, it was really tough to watch, and that was the first thing that popped in mind when you made when you made the Twitter post about how ugly one of those games were. <laughs> I uh, I was thinking, you know what? It, it's pretty bad when like two of their last three, you could feel that way. Well, and I mean, at least with the Pirates game, one, you're right, they're at home, so it wasn't so late, and two, they were winning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know that that helps a little bit too. But yeah, I, that Friday night game, um, yeah, I watched five or six innings of it, maybe, but yeah, it got to eleven thirty, and it was like, eh, you know, I can't do any more than this, especially when it's not close. You know, if it was the eighth inning or something, maybe you try to fight through it, but uh, when it was in like the fifth, it was like. No, no, we'll, we'll, we'll find out what happens in the morning. Yeah. Um, and that was the other good thing about the other two games being televised was that, um, at least nationally televised, was that they started earlier out there. They, what it started, they were like yeah. seven o'clock start and a six o'clock start here in, in the central. So, you know, they felt a little bit more like regular games for us. Now they were playing, you know, mid afternoon yeah. baseball out there, but 
you know, it's really about us, and that's what exactly. Well, I, I selfishly, I am not a huge fan of Sunday night baseball, and and, I, and I've never really liked it when the Cardinals were on there. But uh, what's that's that would be the same. I, I don't ever watch it when they're not on there, and we can get into that later. I have my opinions on those things, but for me personally. The two back-to-back Thursday evenings work for our Sunday evenings work pretty well because I've been busy, you know, Sunday during the day. So I've gotten to watch them and including the Saturday games. So the last two weekends are going to be pretty nice. So hopefully they just don't lay an egg with the Cubs coming in. Yeah, that's always a concern. I got uh, I've started prepping the series preview for tomorrow for the Substack uh, site, and uh, yeah, that's my my feeling on the Cubs series. It's always more angst than normal because I sure. never. No matter who they play, I never want the Cubs to win. So the fact the Cubs will win at the expense of the Cardinals, it's like, don't do this to me. <laughs> you know, I don't want a close game. I want you to go out there and score five runs in the first and pull away from there. So yeah, um, I I watched quite a bit of the Cubs today. The uh, just because it was one of the earlier games on, yeah. and and it's uh, and I have some intrigue with where the Nationals are going for obvious reasons. Sure. But you know that uh, it was not there. I for Bryant playing well and, and some things going on, they still just don't seem, I don't know what it is. It's There's just something about the Cubs roster that just doesn't seem copacetic right now. Yeah. You know, a lot of it, you know, looking at the numbers, at least um, starting pitching is so bad for them. I mean, they don't have, I don't think they have anybody that's got an ERA of under like four and a half. It, and that includes Kyle Hendricks, who has yeah. been, I was looking at his game log and he's been like good, bad, good, bad, which is, Partly good thing is he was good last time out. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, but I don't know that he could ever be bad against the Cardinals. He'll be so. that seventh no hitter tomorrow. Now, the uh, <laughs> it's yeah, um, yeah. It, it, it's frustrating because well, it's weird because almost everyone in their rotation is exactly the same now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's even with Odorizzi or not Odorizzi. Why am I? Who's the TCU guy? Uh, Beard Beard. Um, I can't think of his name. Went to. Went to the Phillies, Cubs, Phillies, back to the Cubs. Uh, golly. I cannot. Hang on a second. I'll yes. Up Played I'm with sorry. Carpenter. I can't think of his name. Um, hang on. Let me get the. Can hit a little bit. <laughs> I can name just about everything about him. Kids' names. I can't think of his. Okay. Uh, let's see. You're not talking about Arietta. Yes, 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 yes. I was like, uh, I don't know why, but, you know, he's even kind of, he, from where he was, he kind of throws like Davies and uh, Hendricks yeah. now. It's 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 strange. The rotation is basically exactly the same. And that may be part of what's the problem with Hendricks. Um, it's just that if he's facing a team, especially like at the end of a series, um, if the team has seen it for a couple of days, maybe they're more likely to be able to get to him versus if he plays a star. I, and I haven't looked at his game logs to see if that actually is an accurate thing, but it may just be part of it. He may just be kind of slowing down or he yeah. may just hit some, some rough patches trying to figure some stuff out. And, you know, as we factor everything, you know, I mean, there's so many different factors this year because the different ball, you know, the fact that they didn't play that many games, so you're kind of building up from you know, last year. I mean, so many different things that could be the thing, the, the reason for uh, weird outings. Um, it, it's hard to know, but, you know, that and, and Davies is going Sunday, which is a guy that the Cardinals have hit pretty well in their career. Um, you got to hope that, you know, right now they're up three games on the Cubs. You hope that by the end of the week they're up, well, at least four and, and maybe even, you know, six. Um, that would be 
be really nice to go in there and get another one of those weekend sweeps and then have the Cubs start thinking about where they stand in the division. Yeah, exactly. And you you made a good point today is any rough stretch they they go on is going to start there's going to be a ton of questions that come with it. And I read an article today how they're having no long-term conversations right now with any of those guys about uh, about contract extensions, extensions. And that's interesting because I feel I feel like they're going to have to really try to lock up someone. But I'm not convinced that's that's their plan at all. I think they're trying to make one last run with these guys and then and move on from there. I don't know why Hoyer's comments today about the uh, lack of interest in the vac in the vaccine raised some eyebrows. You know, it's one of those where I'm thinking, I mean, I'm not so certain this roster is going to make it to the deadline. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's very possible. I mean, it just depends. I mean, you know, again, even if the Cubs get swept this weekend, which is probably a long shot, but we, you know, we have seen a lot of sweeps, so it's, you never know. Um, six games in the end of May is not unheard of. Um, but it just depends on if they're really looking for that reason to get that rebuild started. Um, Cause I just, I don't see them bringing Chris Bryant back. Um, I, I would bet if you were going to tell me out of all those big free agents, my bet would be they would sign Rizzo. And that that's, that would be my guess. I mean, that's uh, it, it's funny. I'm not, that's the, the way that, that I would go. It would seem to make sense there. I, I'm not certain. Baez is the one to me that uh, I just can't figure out. Mm. As in, you know, he was atrocious last year, and I'm still amazed at teams throwing him a strike. You know, because he swings yeah. at everything. Yeah. But he's still pretty dynamic in the field, and he's super athletic. And I just, it's one of those where you feel like that could be a mistake contract. But the name and the excitement may be one of those that they feel like they need to. I don't, I don't know. I mean, Rizzo would be my bet. I think Rizzo's such a tough out. You know, it's one of those situations where I feel like he's such a good player. But, but man, they just, they just don't fit well together. I mean, I don't, I don't know what it is. Well, Rizzo's such a tough out because he's, you know, you can't pitch half the plate to him. Yeah, I agree. So, um, but that's... That's one of, that's a that's a Cardinal Nation pet peeve, I think, but definitely one of mine is uh how many times he gets hit by standing, you know, literally on the plate, it feels like. So um yeah, I don't I mean, I never want to be a Cub fan, but I definitely don't think I'd want to be one after this year. Um, because there's some there's a lot of people that are gonna be gone and they're gonna it really feels like this is the restart, right? I mean, their bull, their their minor leagues are not, from what I understand, all that impressive, um, and so it really does say, especially in a, you know, the Epstein Hoyer mold of things to do is, let's trade these guys off and get four, five, six different prospects and yeah. jumpstart this thing, um, but they can't do that if they're two games off the lead. They get to six or seven games off the lead, especially with Milwaukee ahead of them. And, you know, the Reds are in that ballpark. But after seeing the Reds today, you start wondering if uh, they're going to be in that uh, conversation. That was, long. yeah. And you know what? More so than that is in the division, that's one thing. But, man, the Giants, I keep feeling like they're going to drop off, but they're pretty good. Yeah, I don't, don't quite. And somebody mentioned it, and it may be part of it is, the Cardinals and the Giants probably did Giants even more so. Just beating up our teams. 
Well, not only, not necessarily that they've kind of embraced the, the veteran guy. Yeah. You know, that where a lot of teams are, you know, focused so much on these young guys, which can give you the higher ceiling, but you know, a lot more variability as well. Whereas if you get those veteran guys that know that still have a lot to offer, obviously, I mean, Adam Wainwright's the, the Adir Molina's even to some degree, the the Goldschmidt's and Ardado's, um, then you know what you're going to get. There's consistency there. There's a value in that consistency. Um, and you're able to do that now. Yeah. Some of it is beating up on people, but I mean, the, the giants are playing out there with the, with the Padres and the Dodgers and they're facing those guys on a regular basis. I'm sure they've, you know, they've matched up already some this year and I think the giants have gotten the better end of it. So you, you got to give them some credit there. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's going to be down the stretch for both teams is going to be interesting about how they can beat up within the division, you know, because I, I feel like, the Dodgers can plug and play so much. You know, they may be playing their worst baseball all season right now. And then the Padres is so exciting that, uh, you know, they're going to be there. So it's all going to depend on who beats up on Colorado and Arizona the most. You know, kind of basically what the Cardinals are going to be doing, you know, but their division is going to be doing. So, the uh, yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting to be in the mix. I just – I think that we're seeing the benefit. And I, I'll be – I mean – this may get people to turn this off. I hope not. It's beating a dead horse. I think we see so many benefits, going back to your veteran conversation, of having the second superstar. You know, the Cardinals lineup's good. And it's one of those to where we couldn't say that last year. You know, it was one of those we were hoping for numbers from somebody. But you know you're going to get them from Goldschmidt, and you know you're going to get them from Arnato, And what you get from everybody else is kind of a bonus at this point. You know, it, it's one of those to where we talked about it, and there's been a lack of power out of uh, – out of Carlson, but he's still, he's a great at bat, you know, yeah. and then Edmund comes back and, and he, he uh, redirects his season and, you know, he, he destroyed the, the pirates in that series. And, and they're just put together well at this point. And that, that's such a good, good, that's a good problem to have. And you feel like the, uh, the pitching reinforcements are coming and they're going to be there and there's going to be some names out there that can make them better. And, and I truly feel like they're going to rebuild at least half of that bullpen at some point during the summer. Yeah, you know, Edmund is is a real big key to everything, I think, just because if he's not getting on base, it doesn't really matter what Goldschmidt and Arenado are doing as much. You know, they just don't have that. That kind of triggers things. Um, You know, there is concern with his, you know, not walking a lot and and all that. You know, we saw him get into a little bit of a slump, but it, it doesn't feel, it feels like he's got enough hit in his bat that he's gonna be okay. Um, for the most part. And I'm not saying he's going to be the leadoff hitter all year long. He very well may. And he might be because he might be even when he's not supposed to be, you know I mean? Well, yeah, I I can't see a guy on the roster that will, you know, you know, that's except for Carlson and that's a different story. Yeah. Um, But, you know, I think that's the only option. If Bader can keep up what he's doing with walks and lack of strikeouts, Maybe, but I think that's asking a lot. You know, uh, yeah. about B- at Viva Alberto's today about about that, and there's still, you know, it looks good now, but good chances of it not sticking around like that. And we've, I mean, you never know. I mean, we have seen Tyler O'Neill have a little bit better approach this year that seems to have stuck. Um, of course, O'Neill goes back on the DL. We'll see what happens when he comes back from that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. I mean, if, if Edmund needs a day off, and 
one of these days he will. He has played every yeah. game so far this season. Um, I think the one day he was playing, they were planning to get him off as they rained out. So um, if one of these days he's going to have a day off, and that may be a day where you see Bader or you see Carlson in that spot and just see what happens. Um, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's if, if Paul DeYoung had gone down last year like this, you know, I mean, assuming last year was normal, um, I mean, they would have been a world hurt, right? Because yeah. there would have been nothing behind Goldschmidt. Um, at least now you've got those two guys. You've got O'Neill hitting some that still, you know, gives you some power farther down the lineup. And then if DeYoung is in the game, in the lineup, he's got at least got the power potential. Um, you know, they're they're in a much better shape than they were, and that's why you don't hear Jeff Albert's name nearly as much as you used to. No, without a doubt. I mean, think, without without Arnado, where would we we'd be calling for Justin Williams' head? Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now there's a little bit of leeway on that. You know, you're just like, okay – we understand this is till till O'Neill gets back, and then you come out after the over four game with the strikeouts. Then he stings balls yesterday, you know, and that's that's what you want off the, out of these guys. But I don't think they've been able to afford that, you know, until this year when you get a stud. So you know, and like I said, well, Molina's cooled off a little bit, but he's fitting right in in the lineup. So it's 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 pretty impressive right now. You just hope the bottom doesn't fall out or somebody get hurt. Yeah, I mean, and the hurt, I mean. You know, losing the young is not great. Although Sosa's starting to look, I mean, he made some good plays defensively yesterday, which we already yeah. knew he could play defense. That was not an issue. It was whether he could hit the ball. And then he's done a little bit more of that too. I mean, granted it was against the pirates, but you know, it's still something, right? I mean, it, you can't completely discount it. And you know, I mean, what happens I, again? I don't, think i think this is kind of hypothetical and, and all that but you know somebody put out the stat today that sosa had already tied uh paul de young at war um part i'm sure that's a lot in defense more than anything but you know what happens if sosa gets on a roll i mean obviously de young gets his spot back right but i mean how do you keep sosa active um and then yet have paul de young play I mean, you know, Paul DeYoung's a guy they never do tend to want to sit down. Yeah, that's that. I think that's the more intriguing option is that they could finally rest him a little bit. Yeah, you know, now a lot. I will say a lot of that theory, I'm starting to agree less and less. You know, and just because I feel like it, it's it not only not only the end of the season, it's kind of carries over to the next. You know, it's mm-hmm. I obviously I mean you everybody who's on here knows. That I feel like he gets miscast as that two to three four hitter. Right. You know, I feel like you can get solid defense, twenty five homers, twenty five doubles out of a guy like that's that's somebody you're going to be interested in in a free agent market if he wasn't already on your team. But I don't understand. I I don't see where that wouldn't be a benefit to have a guy that could that could play the position well behind you. You know, mm-hmm. and spell you a day and stay fresh and, and play some second. And, you know, one of those situations where you have a true utility infielder that doesn't hurt you anywhere. I feel like that would that would be a fantastic problem to have. You know, it's one of those to where you, you kind of turn into a, a like a Dodgers-type situation mm-hmm. where you're kind of a positionless team, really. You know what I mean? Guys can play a little bit of everywhere other than your Seegers and, you know, your studs like that. But but uh, I, I, don't, I don't see how that can be a detriment to force the playing time issue. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I'd like to see that. And I mean, you know, again, so this is a guy that could 
play second base if Tommy Edmond needs to play someplace else or yeah um you know I don't he's played third this year for those you know innings at the end of blowouts when Arenado gets a rest um so he's got some of that versatility as well it's just you know can he keep it if he's not playing on a you know does he need to play two three four days in a row to get his back going and yeah you know we'll have to wait and see on that um but yeah, it's kind of interesting. Now you you talked about it. We had that the Achilles heel right now for this staff is that soft part of the bullpen. Now, it, I hate to say Achilles heel because these guys aren't coming in in close games. Hopefully, yeah. although there are going to be times, you know, if you play two or three close games in a row and you've used Cabrera and Hensley, Helsley and Reyes and guy goes you know for two days in a row each you know some of these guys may have to come into it but it's just a little bit it's a little bit scary right now i think that you know you and i were talking cody whitley still kind of finding his way i think there's still a lot to like about cody whitley but he is young enough that you're not 100 percent sure that he's well as you said he's not in that circle of trust yet for both us or the manager um and then you have Tyler Webb, you have Jake Woodford, you have, you know, at some point coming back, Andrew Miller, who I think fits into this conversation. Um, I mean, what do we do with these guys and how do we make it? How do, how do they make this better? You know, and it, we, I, we could probably go back and look and I may maybe completely off base on this. Are you kind of surprised they haven't used Memphis as much as they normally do? And it may be right on par. I don't. I don't know. It just doesn't feel like there's been a lot of up and down this year that I thought there would. Other than per se in Oviedo, right. you know. But we right. kind of understand that situation because he was kind of brought in to be that sixth starter, and you know, one of those deals. And I'm not so certain that they're, they're, they're convinced on that right now, especially with with Michaelis and Martinez coming back. Yeah. Um, but I do feel like this has been one they haven't moved as as much as they as they expected to, or as they normally do. Now that could be a good sign as well because they haven't necessarily needed to, but it just seems to me like they haven't done it as much as the last couple of years. Well, I think it, I mean, one, it's factor of Memphis not starting till the fourth. Yeah, that's you true. Know, it's still later in the year. And I think that they're doing their best to try to let those guys get as much playing time under their feet as they can, except yeah. for Oviedo, who I know I was listening. I haven't listened to Kyle a little bit on the Cardinals off day podcast um when he's talking they talk a lot about Oviedo at the beginning and you know it would be best for him to probably get a chance to stay in Memphis sure but they've and then now he probably will with Michaelis and Martinez coming back um you know if you need that sixth starter you've got Gant for this next stretch instead of bringing Oviedo back up you know um if somebody gets hurt Gant can slide back into the rotation um he'll probably have a chance to finally you know really learn some stuff at Memphis because he'd never played triple A before. I mean, in last year's, you know, we know about last year. So I think there's some of that. There's not a lot of obvious names on the minors list. I'm in the 40. Yeah, you know. that's true. Um, you know, Junior Fernandez has come up once, just went back down. He struggled. Um, Bernadetto Flores Jr., um, <laughs> you know, didn't get an out. And the one time he got a chance to play, now I'm not saying we won't see him again. Um, then there's Oviedo, there's, um, what, Quisada, 
Johan Quazada. He was hurt for a while, and I think he, you know, he's back now. I think pitching, but still a guy that they're probably wanting to, you know, get a little bit of of reps at the minor league level. And then there's Angel on Hill Rondon. That's close. Yep. Um, who's a guy that I think they're probably. I think he struggled some at Memphis um, so far. So it's not like they have like all these pitchers in their, on their 40 man. And I mean, like I wrote about it, you talked about it a little bit earlier, you know, Tommy Parsons feels like, you know, after his spring, it's the kind of guy that you'd think they'd get up here and maybe they will sometime. Maybe they'll shift somebody to a 60 man. Maybe they'll let somebody go who knows and and get him on there. But uh, you know, other than that, I'm not sure who the next arm up would be. Yeah. I'm not sure either. I mean, it's uh I'm guilty of not following as much with Memphis this year, you know, because I felt like we were going to see a lot of those guys quickly and it just hadn't been the case. Um, So yeah, I'm not sure. I, I, I feel like Parsons is that one that you will see. I'm glad you put put that today in your piece because you always, they reward the guy with the big spring. You know, it feels like there's always that name that they'll do that with. And I feel like he's the first man up on that situation, but I haven't, I haven't even seen how he's pitched. Um, yeah, I was looking today just to see who the, the options were, and that's when I ran across Parsons, thinking, "Oh yeah, you know, back back to the spring." Um, let me see if I can uh, pull up his stats real quick. Um, but I, they're they're pretty good. I don't know that they're overwhelming or anything like that, but I think they're good enough to be legitimate um, a legitimate call up. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's pitched, uh, he's only, he's pitched in three games. He's only started one. He's got an ERA of three twenty nine. uh, struck out 14 and 13 and two thirds, um, giving up a couple homers, but, uh, you know, all, all in all, I mean, like you said, he's not setting the world on fire. Um, but he's doing enough. And I think it's probably, probably telling, although that rotation is being what it is, it may not be as much that he's, been in the bullpen that I think that's probably what they're looking for. Now he may shift now that Michaelis is. Back yeah. I, I, I knew that he pick, he piggybacked with Michaelis at least once. Yeah. Yeah. So that, so, um, so yeah, that's a, you know, and it's really interesting. Some of the, some of the hitters are doing more down in, uh, down in Memphis than the pitchers, but I don't know that there's any call for those guys either right now. Um, now again, we're looking at this, big stretch of the Cubs, the White Sox, the Diamondbacks, the Dodgers. Is there anybody? Is that it? Is that the 17 games? That doesn't feel like enough. I think there's probably another somebody else in there. Too. Yeah, before the next part. I've got the schedule up. I'm sorry. Yeah. The, uh, let's see, 3, 6, 9, 10, 11. Uh, we're missing one. Yeah, then the, the Reds for four after the oh, Dodgers okay. series. Okay. okay. So, yeah, so you got, you know, after you get that stretch, um, you know, you probably go back to the five man rotation for the most part. There's three more off days there in June. You get into July, you've got the all star break and, and things like that. So, Gantt sliding to the bullpen helps, right? I mean, that solves part of that problem. Um, how else? I mean, again, if they don't bring up a Parsons or anything like that, you know, is it is it just as easy as letting Webb go? putting in Andrew Miller and figuring even if Andrew Miller's not good, he's better than what Webb was. That's, that's a good question. Um, 
that would probably seem like the uh, that would probably seem like the easiest move. Um, do you like you, you said in your piece today? Are we expecting that decision? Does the Nagalski decision? What does that mean for Michaelis Martinez as far as the roster space goes? Is there going to have to be another name that goes tomorrow? Uh, not tomorrow, probably, because I sent Maybe Nagelski Saturday. Down. I sent Nagelski down, okay. so that leaves them one shot. They'll, they'll activate Martinez. For the start, there. okay. But when they're ready to bring in Michaelis, and I did have to check. I, they never did put Michaelis on the 60-day deal. So, um, well, so have, they've already announced him for tomorrow, though. Martinez is tomorrow. No, no, no. I meant for Saturday. Michaelis yeah, is yeah, right he's now. They, okay. they haven't made the roster move yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I see what you're saying now. I th- okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but since he wasn't on the 60 day, um, he's. I got you. I got you. Okay. Make another 40 man move. Yeah. So I, I mean, you know, I wrote about it today. I would imagine path of least resistance. Jake Woodford goes down. Yeah. Um, and Michaelis gets activated. Um, uh, you know, again, I, you know, I've been a proponent of Tyler Webb in the past. Absolutely. Yeah. And, that's, I know what and, you mean. Yeah. And he's been, and even earlier this year, he was not necessarily great, but you know, you didn't worry about bringing him into a, a four run or six run lead. <laughs> and now, I mean, you just, I just doesn't feel like if he's, if he's not walking somebody, they're hitting it. You know, I, I just, there's been too many times late that he's come in. I, I mean, he's the only time he hasn't given up a run was last night when he gave up three un- inherited runners. Um, I just don't, I don't, I feel like he's hit that, hit that wall or whatever. And I don't see necessarily that there's a whole lot of optimism on any sort of return to form. Um, that said, and that may be they're holding on to him until, Andrew Miller comes back because I know Andrew Miller hasn't gone on a rehab assignment yet, but he's a kind of reliever that he may go down and pitch, you know, three out of four days and then be called up, you know? Yeah. Um, it's not like a starter where they have to, you know, 10 or 15 days. So that may be what they're just waiting on is giving him a couple more chances until Miller's ready. But um, I don't know. I mean, again, you hope that if you see him, it's a blowout game that he can't do any real damage to, but it's a little scary. Yeah. And, it, and it's, yeah, it, he was in the circle of trust. Yeah. At the beginning of the season, you know what I mean? One of those four or five names. Well, I would say four and Helsley was not. Yeah. Especially after the Cincinnati series. Yeah. That first couple of games for Helsley yeah. was a little bit scary for it, everybody. Yeah. yeah we, you and I both thought that he may go down, I mean, you know, fairly quickly. Didn't happen. And he kind of bounced back and, and, uh, like any, you know, good, strong Oklahoman would. <laughs> yeah. <you know, laughs> The uh, <laughs> no bias there at all, <laughs> and the uh, yeah, it's right. I it's it's funny. Everybody kind of thinks the same on the web deal, though. You know what I mean? You see those in that outing yesterday. You're just kind of covering your eyes, thinking, "Man, is this kind of roaring out?" Because you you want to cheer for him because no one really does. Yeah, but gosh, it kind of gets a little scary, you know, in any situation. I mean, and I, you know, again, those I I get why. Shilt brings him in yesterday because yeah. you really do want to save those arms and he's done some good work in the past and you know you hope that he comes out there and he gets you a ground ball which is what he did he just didn't didn't turn into a double play 
um, or, or at least a couple or, or fly ball, a couple fly balls that get caught and, and he gets maybe some confidence and gets moving. But no, I mean, his, his war right now is uh, minus eight, minus 0.8, not minus eight. That'd be really bad. Um, <laughs> minus, minus 0.8. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's worse than his worst mark of his career. Um, and he's given, you know, his whips over two. I mean, he's putting two to three runners on each time out. That just can't continue. You there? Yeah, I am. <laughs> okay, cool. I, I don't know why that was. But, uh, yeah, it's it's troublesome. I mean, and it's uh, this seems to compound now, every appearance. And, and it, it's one of those to where almost every one of their – as bad as it is, one of their uh, their even the the peak bullpen guys seems to put guys on, oh, but yeah. they oh, yeah. they work themselves out of out of out of jams and uh, the uh, well just has not seemed to do that. You know, it was funny when I was in St. Louis and I was watching Andrew Miller warm up, and I know that we've talked about this, and I've never said it on the show. It's amazing to me how anybody hits him. Period. The movement. And the fact that that movement comes from someone so big that that the ball is right out of his hands in your face, that people hit that's amazing to me. And it's one of those, it makes you think even high, even in, highly of Webb thinking, man, how does he, it's cool that somebody like that is so deceptive. But, you know, I just feel like he's getting hit around like Miller did when when I was in, the, in, in St. Louis. You know what I mean? He's not fooling anybody. And yeah. four of the five guys he faces gets on and, and it's trouble. And that uh, that stinks because I you know we've kind of pulled for the guy, but you, you're right. I mean, it's one of those with so much traffic, and it's just I just don't think he's fooling anybody anymore. Yeah, it just it doesn't feel like it. Um, and and, and I, you know, I'm not saying that everybody has to be in that bullpen needs to be a guy you want to go to in a close game. But they have to be at least guys that you're at least somewhat comfortable with that, or at least you don't expect them to necessarily just, you know, torch the place on their way out. And, you know, obviously there's not a whole lot of confidence in Jake Woodford either. And I don't know that he has pitched since he came back up. No, I was going to bring that point up too. And I'm sorry to cut you off. It's uh, he's become that reliever under glass too. Yeah. And I don't like that. Yeah. I mean, those are never, never great. Um, At least, at least in um, this situation, though, um, it's not a good picture. That's not, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I, I agree. I don't like having that, but it's not like, you know, Michael Walker or, or some of those others that, you know, that were should have been in the rotation, but they said they didn't really have room for them. So they said they'll be that long man that yeah. they never actually need. Woodford would think just, that guy's Ponce, not Woodford. Yeah. See, now Woodford pitched, he did pitch in that Padres game on Saturday that Wainwright, in fact, he pitched in both, um, pitched in two of those games against Padres, which I didn't realize that Saturday game I missed because I was watching Springfield. Yeah, it was ugly. Um, yeah. You didn't miss much. Yeah, well, I, it was better than Springfield. Um, <laughs> so, um, but he did pitch pretty well uh, against the Padres on the night before that. So, I mean, he can do well. And it does feel like that's, you know, because he's not pitched. He's pitched a couple innings both most every time he's been out there. I don't know. I don't, really don't know. I yeah, actually like Woodford, and I feel like he would benefit from a Memphis trip as well, though. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. I, I don't. Part of me just doesn't think he's ever going to strike out enough batters, throw enough hard enough. I, to, but you know, they can't, you know, finance guys still work in this league. Uh, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure on him, but again, I don't have a problem with him being on there. I just don't know that you want to bullpen with him and Webb, and you definitely don't want to bullpen with him and Webb and Miller, um, which I don't think they will have, but, um, and then Ponce is up there now and boy, I don't know. I don't trust Ponce to come in. Do you? You know, and I, we talked about that last week and we were about dead on him without how quickly he was coming back. Yeah. You know, one of those deals And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, that, the Ponce situation is strange. I mean, I'm kind of curious just to see how he gets utilized the rest of the way. I mean, especially if they're talking about going to a six man rotation now, you know, and his name's not really brought up in any of those deals. I mean, how many how many more appearances is he going to get? I mean, I don't know. It's it's pretty difficult. Yeah, I mean they they brought him up. When did they bring him up? I'll have to look. I'm pulled that. I've got a sheet for that. But it's been a while now, hasn't it? Um, they brought. Well, I guess it was the fifteenth. Was that that right? Was that one I'm looking at? When they brought up Junior Fernandez as well. Um, no, he came up the next day. Ponce came up. So he hasn't been up quite as long. He came up on the 18th. That's Tuesday. So he didn't pitch in either one of the games against the Pirates. That's the only thing he's missed. I was just thinking he hadn't pitched yet. So, but you know, he pitched those, those two games against the Pirates. He probably yeah. wouldn't have. So that makes some sense. Felt like he'd been back up a little bit longer than that, but I don't know what they're going to do with him. I you know, again, they definitely, I, and that's another reason why. Woodford makes a lot of sense to go back down when Michael is concerned. Yeah. They don't need two of those guys. Yeah, right. just don't, there's not going to be enough activity for one of them, much less two. Right, right. So, might as well get somebody. And, and Ponce can't go down. So Yeah. Um, which I feel like is going to eventually cost him. I think there's going to be a point this season where they need to make a move that he's, he's not going to be, you know, He's either going to wind up ending the year on the IL or he's going to wind up being released, I think. I hope not because I do like Ponce. And I, you know, I think that's a great story. Great, yeah. Yep. But what we've seen so far this year doesn't make it look like it. Now, you and I have just suggested a very, very good way to improve the bullpen uh, would be to trade for Max Scherzer and move yeah. Carlos Martinez to the back end of that. The Nationals lose again today to the Cubs. Now they're only like four and a half games out. Cause that whole division is a mess. The fact that the Marlins are fourth and the only team that has a positive run differential is, uh, I, I don't know how that works. <laughs> it's like a glitch in the simulation or something. <laughs> um, but they're 17 and 23. I, you know, and they haven't, I know they're not, I'm not saying that they're looking to sell now because I'm sure it won't be till, you know, early July at best before they, they move Scherzer, but there comes a point they got to start at least talking, right? And that, that time for talking, you know, if you're going to make a trade in July, you probably start talking in June um, if you're not talking already. Um, I just, you look around the league and I don't know if the, if the Nationals are going to trade him. I mean, obviously there's a lot of people that would like Mike Scherzer, but I'm not sure who trades for him. I mean, if the Dodgers are still in third place, then yeah, you never roll out the Dodgers. And the Yankees are in a, a tight battle, so they're going to be in this mix probably. But are there very many other landing places, do you think, for, for Scherzer? 
I, I'm not sure. I mean, it's it's one of those to where you never want to discount a Dodgers type situation no, no. or anybody on the West Coast or any of those teams. But you know, you 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 they're not going to trade within the division. I would assume. You know, kind of like the Cardinal situation to give right. up something, and and that probably discounts New York. But uh, you never really worry about them. But well, I New feel York's like the, the, you know New York just spent the rest of the last couple of days running their aces through Palm Beach. Yeah, it, I was going to say so you got Syndergaard and Degrom coming back, so yeah. that's not uh, so. Yeah, that's not optimal. But you know, I don't know. There just seems to be a lot of <sighs> there's a lot of circling that's going on on that, that if he's available, there would be a pretty good landing spot. And mm-hmm. it seems like there would be a, uh, an opening and, and the Cardinals would make it. So, and, and th- that would be, it would be interesting. And I think that's the move that everybody wants to see. Yeah. Now I think there's also a fairly strong chance that Washington to trade him at all, that they keep him and try to resign him and all that, because I, you know, I think there's, you know, a lot of connection there and there's a, a lot of reason for that, but if they have any doubt in that they're going to try that they're going to be able to add him to a contract extension or sign him or whatever, um, I mean they have to move him for something. Um, again, I think you worry about the AL East because with Boston and New York battling, one of those teams might try to go over the top and get him. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's something to keep an eye on. It's something to daydream about. But if you could do that and, you know, as well as Carlos is pitching right now for the most part, you know, we know how effective he's been in the bullpen as well. If you can slide him into the bullpen and you have your, you know, you have Gant and, and Martinez along with the four they already trust. Um, and then you have a, a Miller and a, you know, maybe a Ponce or whatever as your other two guys. That bullpen's a lot stronger. You feel a lot better about that. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, you know, it's funny how it kind of rolls downhill. How mm-hmm. it could be pretty loaded if you move some of this. I mean, here we are talking about possibly an overhaul, you know, at the trade deadline, just because that's what Mo likes to do, and there's going to be names available out there to where one move of a starter could really overhaul your yeah, your bullpen and, and rotation. It'd be pretty exciting. I, you know, and it's fu- funny. It's one of those where you look at. Maybe San Francisco is a name that would be interested in, in assures. I think everybody's going to be interested, but I mean, Max is going to be, he gets to decide where he goes. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those deals to where I think that it, that may be a one location type situation. Might be, might be a couple. I mean, Scherzer feels like I got one of those guys that's really competitive too. So if you could go to a Boston or a New York that looked like a real good chance of winning, especially when you're going to be a free agent that can then kind of set your own, you know, if you wanted to go to St. Louis, he could like go to Boston for two months and then sign with the Cardinals in the off season, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. Um, so he might be a little bit more open, but I don't know. Again, that's, it's a long way off from that, but we are, you know, we've hit the, the quarter mark. We're, you know, one quarter of the way in, um, you have to, you know, next week's, um, um, What's that holiday? Memorial, Memorial Day. Day. Yeah, that's where I'm getting at. Which could have, you know, a lot of times with the calendar, we've already had it, you know, or, or really about to be. Actually, I guess we've got two weeks till Memorial Day, don't we? Because it's late this year. Would be next week. Um, so we're getting to that point where things are. That's start- about the 60 game mark. And, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. You start, you start taking some of these things a little bit more yeah. seriously. So. Um, 
And so, and you got to figure out what you're going to do. It's possible that the Cardinals don't necessarily have the stomach to go out and do a huge, a huge move like that. But man, I don't know. I mean, when you look at the money that's coming off, I know that they've got, you know, Nola now, so you have to kind of re- reconfigure that, but they're still going to lose a lot of money off the books this coming winter. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll have to have to see. It's more likely they'll find, yeah, find that middle reliever and, and maybe another bat because it does feel like this. I don't know where they would do it necessarily, but it does feel like even one upper tier bat and i'm not talking like the goldschmidt tier but you know something like a reggie sanders used to be you know uh, something like that something that could that could slide into that fifth spot and be you know consistent you kind of what tyler neil's doing but just you know that it's going to be there instead if you hope that it's going to be there but i don't know you know i don't know that they want to replace any of their outfielders and or any of their infields, I don't see where they can make a trade for a bat like that. Yeah, I it, it's funny. I uh, you know a bat that's intriguing to me, and I just about brought this up with the uh, leadoff situation is is the Adam Frazier type player. Hmm. And you know if you could get because he can play the corner outfield spots and uh, be a true leadoff guy, which I think Edmund's done a fine job. But you're basically getting an Edmund type player. You know, yeah. I mean, with a little more leadoff experience. And you wonder if they would do that, but I mean, at, at what cost? I mean, you you can't. I mean, Carlson's next in line to be a star. Bader's done everything he can, um, and uh, to hold on to that center field job. And, and I think there's a lot of intrigue in O'Neill Power still. And honestly, as a role player, everybody's coming into their own. But it does kind of make you wonder where they could, uh, where they could, uh, you know, improve across the board with another bat, but I just don't, I don't know where they could do it. You know, I'm, I'm just not certain. Yeah. I mean, Frazier's just now, he's still got like two years of arbitration. I mean, getting him away from a team like Pittsburgh, which is, um, you know, looking for guys like that would be very difficult. I yeah, honestly figured he was older than that, but um, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if you look for, of course, I just think about him because he always destroys the Cardinals. Uh, you know, a guy like Gregory Polanco is a bench a bench bat. You know, I, that's a guy that I do wonder it, a change of scenery it yeah. would benefit him. But, you know, it, it's funny, though. Uh, Danny Mac pointed out a lot of times about how much the injuries have taken a toll on him. Yeah. But, no, I agree with you. There's a lot of intrigue for me. I mean, you saw that bomb yesterday. Yeah. You know, he's going to he's gonna walk into some every once in a while. And, and they took the – on the broadcast last night, they took the words out of my mouth. I've been saying it forever. I will never hear Polanco and not think Tavares. Mm, yeah. You know, it's weird. They were just synonymous for the longest time. Who was going to make it up the quickest? Yeah, there's always a lot of that. And, you know, I will say um, the problem with getting Polanco is he would be able to hit against the Cardinals. Um, yeah, yeah. Which is, I mean, seriously, this, you know, he has – three two hit games in May and all three of them are against the Cardinals. Um, <laughs> and he's only got, uh, he's got two or three other ones this, this year, but yeah, he's, he's done a, done a number against St. Louis this year, but um, yeah, I mean, again, he's not a guy that you want to put in the starting rotation and he doesn't really solve a lot of things. I don't know that he's that much better 
at this stage of his career than Lane Thomas is. Yeah. Um, so if you're going to be troubling, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. To say that, to make a move for a situation like that. Absolutely. Um, but I don't know, even if he is a little bit better, he's probably not enough better to, to be worth it. So I just don't, I don't really see, except for, you know, an injury situation where they could really make that kind of trade because, you know, O'Neill's doing well, <clears throat> Bader's doing pretty well, well enough, you know, that enough that they're not going to want to move on from him. I don't think, Yeah. you know, if, if Bader were struggling, then maybe they go out and get an outfielder and, you know, put Bader on, Bader on the bench as a defensive replacement type. But I, I just, it would take a lot for that between now and then. So, yeah. But, as you and I, you know, as we said earlier, the offense is not really the huge problem. No, and you know what? I mean, it's it's one of those where it's so easy for me to say this, especially with it where they are, uh, you know, leading the leading the division and being one of the better teams in the league right now. And it's mm-hmm. it's tough for me to say this, but Bader coming back really made things fluid in that outfield. I kind of I kind of undersold him. I I, I thought he was an overrated defender. And I thought the reputation kind of got him, but man, that they're really fluid in the outfield when he's there. You know, it's uh, it turns into one of those situations where you don't have to count on his bat, so any inconsistencies don't show up as much as they used to. And that's and that that's another thing. That's the benefit of Arenado. Yeah, which what we said. You know, the, yeah. the getting that extra takes a lot of pressure off people, and um, we're seeing the we're seeing the results of that too. So, and it and I mean again. It helps that the Cardinals play the Pirates and the Reds and, you know, we'll see how, you know, if the Cubs start selling off playing the Cubs late in the year, um, it's big. You don't play Milwaukee again until August. Yeah. That's a weird scheduling. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, But, you know, if you can pull out a lead, get a lead on them by the trade deadline, you know, you don't have to worry about it as much just because, I mean, yeah, they have some ways to cut that in, but you also have that, you know, if you're up six or seven on them with 12 games between the two teams, well, then all you have to do is like, you know, split it, you know, and you're fine. Um, so, I don't know, I, I think they've got a chance to, they just need to do what they're doing and beat the bad teams. You know, they're five and zero against the Rocky or five and zero against pirates. They're swept the Rockies. Um, they've done well, you know, swept the Marlins in the three games. They saw them. They've kind of, you know, had a pretty good success against the Reds. Um, they've just got to win those kind of games. And we'll get yeah. to see a little bit of that. I mean, they go out to Arizona, who's, I think, fourth in that division out there. And that's um, – but they're going to have to win those games because then they, you know, they've got the White Sox. They've got the um, Dodgers coming up. And it's going to be difficult there. And it's going to be very difficult to go out to L.A. and, well, see that other guy playing out there. Albert Pujols taking on uh, – taking the Dodgers job, uh, which is – I don't know that anybody – I don't think anybody saw that coming, but in, in retrospect, it seems to have made a pretty good, pretty good sense for him. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those that's uh, the minute that, I, yeah, it surprised me because I thought he was going to linger for just a little while longer, yeah, which yeah. was really going to build the anticipation for a St. Louis reunion, but the Dodgers scooped in and that would be a perfect spot for him because they can plug and play like crazy. And, you know, wouldn't you know, Seager goes down to where Lux can move over and put and Pujols can get some first base at bats right away. Mm-hmm. You know, that's they, they seem to do that well. And Roberts is, is a, the perfect manager for a situation like that. So, so yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. It's um, a little tough to watch, yeah. you know, because I could see him just 
having a pretty good set, pretty good, you know, run here while he's in LA. And that's, that's one of those is, is somebody who just hates the fact that the Dodgers can do no wrong right now. It's pretty <laughs> tough to see. You know what I mean? I don't know. I right when he said that, I was like, you know what? He's going to go and he'll catch fire for a little while. Get them. Get the, they'll write the ship with, with Albert there. And you know, the fairy tale writes itself with them. And it's just a situation where, you know, after winning the division all these years, they just, they, every button they push seems to work and it's frustrating. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there is something to that. So, I mean, of course, that's what people have said about the Cardinals. One hundred percent. Yeah, I agree. It's only fair, but yeah, he's two for eight with a walk. Uh, oh no, not a walk. Uh, he's two for eight with a uh, maybe a oh sacrifice. Um, in his first three games out in L.A., so um, which is better than he you know has been doing. Um, and I, you know, I still. Again, I understand it. It makes sense. And I understand what Mo's saying, too. It would have been a difficult situation for them. Yeah. Um, I do think if it had happened in August, they'd have been more likely to jump sure. on it. Um, instead of trying to ride him for... Because it was uh, something else that I, I read, maybe after the fact, was that Albert didn't want to let it... Didn't want to let it linger, because he knew 40 or one, 41 years old, you need to be out there every day playing, or it's yeah. you know, going to drop off pretty, pretty quickly. So, um, to take that job pretty like that, I'm still not going to rule out, you know, if he does have a good run at, in the Dodgers, you know, a part-time DH spot in St. Louis next year. Yeah. I, if, if there's baseball and if they have the DH, um, boy, I, I kind of farewell tour, especially the way Molina and, and Wainwright are playing, you probably signed them for another one-year deal. Yeah. Um, you still have that opportunity to send them all out. Like we thought we might. This year now, good to be fair, you could sign Albert, you could sign those two or three guys, and it could all you know, they could all fall apart. And we're like, oh wow, this didn't work out well. But yeah, I think there's enough, enough goodwill and enough nostalgia around that that even so, even if it was all ugly, you know, on the field, there still would be a lot of excitement to see that. Yeah, and I agree with that. And the thing is. The Cardinals are seem insulated where they could probably get pull that off. Now, it, in it, it's a terrible situation where I think we're much more likely to see a DH than we are to see baseball next year. Uh, it, it's it's yeah. tough. I mean, it, it's it's really tough. I mean, especially with the uh, you know you see the lawsuit from the players' association mm-hmm. that they could be suing, and you know, and that's I don't know. I mean, I it does it doesn't seem like. It can go anywhere but up, but I just don't see that happening anytime soon. No, it feels um, it feels like it's going to be ugly. Like Alex and I talked about on Terps this week, and we talked about the odds of of what would happen if you know how, what are the odds of, of baseball happening next year. And I, I'm pretty my odds are pretty high that there's going to be at least a stoppage before spring training. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't I agree. Think, I don't think we see opening day start on April whatever now. You know, maybe, you, you know, best case scenario is, you know, they come to some ton of terms in March and they open the camps and you're, you know, kind of like this year with the minor leagues, you start at the beginning of May and figure it out. But I mean, it may be, it may be uglier than that, especially with, with all the other stuff that's going on. Which would be catastrophic. I mean, yeah. that, that's the thing. That's what worries me the most. Yeah. It would not be good. Um, I do wonder what they're going to do. It feels like there's there may need to be some structural changes, you know, when you do see six 
seven, depending on how you look at the the um, Bumgarner start. Uh, no worse yeah. this year. And granted, there, there have been years where they have clumped together like that, so it's not completely that. But sure, the fact is, you know, the Indians have been no hit twice. The Mariners have been no hit twice. The Rangers have been no hit twice. No. It feels like it's not just a one great night. It's almost something structural about those teams. Now, Seattle and, and Cleveland are still fairly much in, in the thick of it. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's not like it's, they're tanking or anything, but there's something, whether it's, you know, shifts or, or the way baseball is, or just in general right yeah. now, uh, there's something that may need to be tinkered with kind of like, you know, 68, you know, after 68, they, sure lower the mound so well and you know what offense is terrible right now yeah so i think that it's probably a combination of both or one leading to the next i don't know my question to you before we get off here did you pay attention to the shifts much at the game last week i i've been i have completely been mesmerized by that to be honest with you um yeah we were pointing it out i didn't watch it some with the lefties i mean gorman of course gorman playing third for Springfield, but he'd be over on the second base side yeah. and the shortstop um, was Delvin Perez playing third. And they did that for the lefties for sure. Yeah. And I don't know about all the rest of the, I don't didn't notice the other shifts quite as much, but yeah, they're, which is, which is interesting to the, to one factor of, okay, yeah, you've got enough data. You can do this stuff now in the minor leagues on the other side, you know, you're, you're talking about maybe not having those shifts. Do you really want them necessarily learning it where is it this year that you can't do that well there it, it, see it, it so here's the situation the first half of the season you can't have an infielder on the outfield all four infielders have okay. to have both feet on the dirt now the okay. second half of the season you have to have two infielders on both sides of second base that's right so that's it's right. there it's kind of different and double a is going to be interesting to watch this year but i have seen a ton it's funny you bring it up i have seen a ton of those shifts and I, I don't consider the exaggerated shift the one that has everybody on the infield. I feel like that's the one that has the yeah, someone in the outfield. You know yeah. what I mean? Has one of the uh, the guy playing basically a rover type situation. Mm-hmm. But I've seen a bunch in Tulsa to where you have the, uh, you know, the basically shortstop playing straight up second base and then are playing to straight yep. up with the bag at second base and the third baseman over far, or, you know, in the shortstop positioning. I've seen that a bunch this year. And yeah, – yeah. And, and I'm just curious to see how much that uh, that moves uh, in the second half of the season. But but yeah, I've been it's it's funny. I catch myself watching it on every play just to see how see the differences. <laughs> yeah, because I was thinking when you said that, you know, yeah, they did stay on the dirt, but you know, I said Gorbin was on. Yeah, the other it was three three batters on the on the left side, yeah, sure. right side there, um, pretty much. Um, and then they shift around, you know, the next batter or something. Um, it didn't really matter since Springfield was walking everybody or hitting everybody. So um, it didn't really matter where they put them, but um, I did, did notice that some, so it was inter- interesting to to see how a lot of these rules, I mean, what they, they got some sort of rule in every league, right? This year that, that they're testing out. Um, yeah. Whether it's pitch clocks or automated strike zone or, um, or the shift or, or something of that nature, there's always stuff. So we'll see how much of this, you know, carries over into the future and how much of it is, you know, just sort of that relic, like what they tried, wasn't it one spring training that tried like the yellow ball? Um, 
yeah, it may have been a long. That was way back when I think, but they tried like a yellow, almost you know, like the the softballs you see. Yeah, uh, they tried like a yellow baseball for a while, and then I think it didn't it didn't get past free training. <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, some of these things they get burned out, and they realize they're not any good, and some of them stick around. And hopefully, if anything sticks around, it's a good thing. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, Alan and I'll be with you next week. We'll find a time to record now that there's not going to be the convenient Thursday off day next week, but we will find a time to get together and talk about, uh, you know, this Cubs series that's coming up, which is, it's just big just because in some degree, because the Cubs are um, coming to town. I got to ask you, Talon, I have heard of this a lot in the last week about, wow, it's the first time the Cubs have been in St. Louis since 2019. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I get that they didn't come last year, but I know that the pandemic makes us feel like 2019 is not that far away. It's not like, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, like yeah. a, a yeah. Ryan Sandberg, you know what right. I mean? <laughs> exactly. It seems like they're making this huge deal out of the fact that, but, you know, the two teams played last year and they played in, in Rio. Yeah. They played. Um, they just haven't played at Bush since September. Of, I mean, it's not even been two years. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I agree with that. The broadcast seems to really drive that home. And yeah. I mean, I understand, but it'd be different if there were, if yeah, the, the crowd at St. Louis missed these guys from coming in. Well, there wasn't a crowd, right. period. Right. You know, so I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like I said, I mean, after last year when it was the first time in ten plus years that, or nineteen, I mean, that the that the angels had come, you yeah. know, that big, that was a big deal. Um, and some of these American league teams where they haven't been here in forever. I get that, but a team that, yeah, missed a year. I don't know, but you know, Danny, Danny Mac likes to, to run some things. Yeah, in sure. the ground, I think so. <laughs> um, I happened yeah. to be um, washing dishes last night and away from the TV, but I could tell he was doing his Tim McCarver impression. Oh that. yeah. Uh, he likes that. Yeah. Um, so somebody should at least. Um, anyway, Alan and I'll be with you um, next week at some point in time. So until then, that is Alan. I am Daniel. Good night. Good night. Suter from the belt to the plate. A swing and a miss. And that's a winner. That's a winner. A World Series winner for the Cardinals. 